0: Welcome to the Tea Room. I'm Wendy John. Before you grab a cuppa, I have an announcement. The Tea Room podcast is moving. Yes, in a few weeks' time, we will rebrand as The Medical Republic podcast. Super easy to find us, just type The Medical Republic into Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc., and we'll come up. We'll have a snazzy new format bringing you the latest clinical research, new hacks for running your clinic, and investigations into stories that really matter to GPs. The Medical Republic podcast. See you there. Do you have allied health in your general practice clinic? And if so, how's that going? How can GPs and allied health work together better and more easily? All good questions and today's guests have some pretty good answers. Scott Willis is president of the Australian Physiotherapy Association. He's joining us in a minute to share his top three tips for making allied health arrangements really successful. But to kick us off, let's get a bit of context of where this all fits into a financially viable practice.
1: I think what economics taught me, and I was a young and when I started doing economics all those many years ago, is that there are economies of scale at a couple of different points along the business model.
0: That's Tracy Johnson. She started her career as a hardcore commercial analyst, doing an economics law degree. She veered into healthcare, working in pharma and meditech startups. And then moved into healthcare economics and strategy. Now she channels all that acquired knowledge into her role as CEO of Inala Primary Care and Tracy's done the figures on how to make primary care clinics financially sustainable and she says it largely comes down to the simple economics of right sizing.
1: So I think there's a sweet point where if you've only got four to five GPs you know there's a business model that can be formed around that because there's a certain staffing mix that it goes with that and a certain size of buildings and a lot of most of those quite small practices basically are an avenue for the doctors to use their skill.
0: Tracy says that a practice will be more viable if it maximizes the floor space by hot desking the consult rooms across longer opening hours. She says if you don't have on-site allied health or pathology or pharmacy that you're subleasing to, it could be tough.
1: Given the rents that people are now paying in this sector, it will be incredibly hard for you to survive. So by using your patient base as a marketing tool for other providers to work with you, absolutely, all of a sudden you've got a much more viable business model. Your next sort of tipping point seems to sit at around 9 to 12 doctors and then again up around 20 doctors. You'll need a much bigger nursing team. If you're going for that really mega scale of doctors, your best bet would be absolutely you must have pathology, absolutely you must have pharmacy, absolutely you must rent out some rooms to allied health and other specialty providers and really do at-scale work with a really professional management system, some really slick internal systems because you've just got so many moving parts.
0: There's an economy of scale to be had. Tracy says you'll get, in economic terms, marginal return, marginal revenues simply by adding higher utilisation of the existing floor space.
1: So if you're running a practice where you've got nine doctors and you've got the capacity to move up to 12 doctors... The way you might do that is by opening from 7 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock at night. You don't actually add on any more rooms, but you make sure that the rooms that are there are utilised across the day. Or if you've got doctors who are working part-time and they might work from 8 in the morning until 2.30 and pick their children up, bring in some allied health or some of those people that might want to use those rooms from 3 o'clock until 7 o'clock. You get more utilisation around those rooms and generally things come together better for the patients as well.
0: But here's the thing, although this all sounds very fiscally driven, there's a caveat on how to do it well to maximise the patient experience and the practitioner's experience as well.
1: A lot of general practice environments really are renting a room to providers. They don't work as a team. They just work in silos in the same building. They might be perfectly nice to each other at lunchtime and like each other, but they don't truly work as a team. What I'm saying is we actually need to have more teams of care in general practice but where at the moment the only person that can generate funding in general practice is a doctor. If all of a sudden we had funding for the teams of care that can really care more comprehensively for patients and nurse practitioners could work to the top of their scope but under the tutelage of a GP. So for me, what is our future involve? It's about how do we fund and enable teams of care in general practice
0: So that's what I asked Palawa man, Scott Willis, National President of the Australian Physiotherapy Association. Scott is a physiotherapist, co-director of a multidisciplinary clinic and has held numerous board director roles for strategic healthcare advisory councils. I spoke to Scott from his clinic in Burnie on the northwest coast of Tasmania.
2: I'd like to acknowledge our traditional owners of the lands in which we all meet and work and play in. And for me, it's the Palawa people down here in Tasmania I'm on the northwest coast of Tasmania. And I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners here and really pay my respects to past, elders, present and also emerging. And if there's any Indigenous, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander people on the podcast today, I'd like to acknowledge them as well.
0: Like Tracy Johnson, Scott Willis is a big advocate for multidisciplinary team-based care, but he knows that just bolting on allied health to an existing GP clinic isn't always a mutually rewarding venture. So I asked him, what are his top three tips for incorporating allied health into a general practice?
2: The number one thing is I think both parties have to believe that it's a partnership to make the patient journey better. I know it's a business transaction in terms of either hiring a space or a room or having some type of input within general practice, but it has to be viewed more than that. I think it has to make the patient feel like general practice is integrated, that the communication is optimal between the allied health practitioner and the GP or the practice, and the patient can trust that the best patient outcome is always the aim of the general practice.
0: Scott said this doesn't have to mean that every allied health referral goes to the physio at the clinic. He said that sometimes the best person for the patient is outside the general practice.
2: I think the second thing would be you need to ensure that the allied health practitioner feels like they're part of the general practice family and not just renting a space. I see it so much in general practice, but also private practice for physios that, you know, we need to be included, like you know, welcoming new staff into the GP practice, or there's practice nurses actually integrating with them, so that everyone knows the skill sets of all the practitioners within the general practice. You know, if you have social events, invite them, let them be part of your strategy of the of the practice, because I think sometimes. They might see things differently from a different angle. but I think that's the value add to where practice is heading then. You don't have to always take the advice on, but let them be part of that low level at least of the strategy so that all parties then feel part of the practice. And, you know, that's what you get, the, the 1% from the allied health practitioner in general practice.
0: Now, that extra 1% effort by each individual that sports coaches say makes all the difference in a game. And? perhaps all the difference in a small business but when things are completely flat strap how do you carve out time for a strategy
2: workshop you've actually got to box some time out to do this because it's it's so so important if you just keep doing the day to day stuff then there's no vision for the future there's no vision for the strategy moving forwards and i think it's one thing that if there's anything for a successful business is actually working on your strategy so it's always we always talk about not working, you know, in the business. It's it's working on the business as well, and I think that's so so important. And, and that's what we do. We probably about half a day to a day or, or two half days a year. We'll set aside where myself and the and my business partner, but also the rest of the team, sit down and say, "Okay." What else can we do to, uh, to to assist the patient journey? What's our mantra? What's our, our why? And you know, for us, our why for, for my business is our interaction enhances lives because it's not just about the people we see in the clinic, but also how we interact in society as well. And we've got four pillars that we abide by in all our business decisions, but also our patient interaction as well to ensure that they're looked after, that their journey is optimal, that the business growth is there, that our service delivery is actually what the community wants, and also that our workplace wellness is looked after as well. So that's that's how we try and encourage all our staff to have input into our strategy.
0: So, the top tips so far are ensure that the allied health practitioner feels like they're part of the team and not just a renter of space, and that both parties believe that this business arrangement is essentially a partnership to make the patient journey better. Scott Willis offers one more point to consider when bringing allied health into your general
2: practice. And this one's really, really important. This is probably why I came into general practice is an open door policy in both directions. So GPs, nurses, and also the allied health professionals can always ask questions about their patients in that clinic. I often get knocks on the door for advice, planning, where's the best place to refer a patient to, even just questions on some diagnosis and the um, pathway forward. It's very, very important that say for acute things like mental health, acute flare-ups or referral to specialists, referral to imaging, or just a simple question about, you know, this is a patient that you've treated, this is what I'm treating. Do you think it's X, Y, Z? So it really just value adds to that patient journey but demonstrates why patients should continue to be part of that general practice. It's a point of difference that I think that you can really demonstrate to the patient why they should continue to, to come to your general practice.
0: Scott is co-director of a larger standalone physiotherapy clinic on the northwestern coast of Tasmania, but he mainly works at a small general practice that he's integrated into.
2: And that's got about five GPs as well as myself, about three practice nurses, and then they've got some other allied health services that that come into the practice as well, like a podiatrist and some visiting specialists as well. So it's really that one-stop shop and that was how it was sold to me initially 26 years ago when I came and worked in this practice where you know they knew that they could probably earn more money with a GP in this room that I that I rent but it was the actual vision that they had that they wanted an integrated multidisciplinary team that the patients knew that they could just come here and they know that they're going to get looked after by the team so it was a little bit before their time, but it just works so well.
0: Beyond excellent patient care, a clinic also needs to take care of its own wellbeing financially. Scott said there's a couple of options of what this Allied Health GP partnership could look like.
2: From a, you know, from a commercial rent point of view, I'm seeing a couple of different models that are starting to emerge. and One is like a daily rate that is consistent. And for, for us, we get a weekly rate that's pretty much consistent right through and the CPI increase every year and things like that. Other practices I've heard as well is that it's a percentage of your daily income and trying to sell it to incorporate like the reception rates into that as well. So for me, the reception here at the medical centre, take my bookings and take my payments and things like that. So that's incorporated within the practice and your daily or weekly fee. And that's how you can offload some of those costs from general practice by Allied Health actually sharing some of those resources at the front reception.
0: But even if everything aligns nicely in the team and business arrangement, there can be other issues.
2: I think a lot of patients think that because I'm within the actual practice, that I can have access to their their notes, which me being just a renter of space, I have no access just from a medical legal point of view. That's one of the, the huge issues that I have. And patients just shake their head. They go, why can't you? Like, I want you to. And I said, well, at the moment, it's very, very hard for allied health to actually access, but even we can't upload onto my health record.
0: Now, some might say that not being able to upload to my health record in its current form isn't that much of a disadvantage. However, the Federal Health Minister, Mark Butler, has spoken of the need to modernise My Health Records. The Strengthening Medicare Task Force report also speaks of modernising My Health Records. What that looks like at this stage is very uncertain. But the ultimate goal would be for all healthcare systems to be able to share data.
2: And that's one real health reform that needs to be addressed urgently, is that interoperability between all practitioners, but the ability to upload, but also to... To really securely message effectively and efficiently as well. There are some programs out there, but they are hard when the software is not compatible. So, Mm. it does take a little bit more to to go around. And that's a barrier, I think, for for communication between all practitioners.
0: But between now and when all healthcare professionals can easily exchange data with each other and their patients – what's a GP to do?
2: The government has included Medicare item numbers for case conferencing for GPs and allied health practitioners to actually come together. The problem is, is it's really, really difficult to get everyone together at a specific time. This is where we need to use innovation, but the funding's got to follow that as well. And that's where we spoke early about My Health Record and having access, uploading, those types of things. But also, just that secured messaging between practitioners is so crucial. And I think if we can get the funding and get the systems in place, it's going to be more effective to collaborate between GPs and physios as well.
0: And this is where, Scott Willis says, co-location of GPs and allied health can have auxiliary benefits, making collaboration just that little bit easier.
2: You get to know each other specially, what language they use and how they go about getting patients on the right path of care. I've worked with so many different GPs over the years that some like just knock on the door and tell me, some like a three-page letter, some will say, give me the you know one or two bullet points of what you think that we need to happen with this patient's care. Sometimes you don't need a huge case conferencing, you just need a little bit of a message between practitioners that's secured, that's easy, that's effective and you need to actually understand each general practitioner you work for and same with the allied health practitioner as well.
0: That was Scott Willis, National President of the Australian Physiotherapy Association. Earlier on, we heard from Tracy Johnson, Health Economist and CEO of Inala Primary Care. I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me in the Tea Room. And one quick reminder, the Tea Room is rebranding to The Medical Republic podcast. Super easy to find us. Just type The Medical Republic into Apple Podcasts or Spotify and we'll come up. Thanks again for tuning in.